DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha, presents the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults with His Excellency, Archbishop George Lucas. The United States Catholic Catechism for Adults is an adaptation of the Catholic Catechism. It serves as a resource for those who wish to become acquainted with Catholicism. It is an invitation for all the faithful to continue growing in the understanding of Jesus Christ and His saving love for all people. The United States Catholic Catechism for Adults with His Excellency, Archbishop George Lucas. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Chapter 30, The Sixth Commandment, Marital Fidelity. You shall not commit adultery. Catechism of the Catholic Church, Numbers 2331 to 2400. Pope Paul VI, a shepherd for the renewal of the Church. The Second Vatican Council was a major event in the life of the Catholic Church in the 20th century. From 1962 until 1965, it brought together approximately 2,500 bishops from all over the world for four sessions in Rome, each session lasting about three months, to discuss and make decisions about the life of the Church in the modern world. Blessed John XXIII had convoked the Council and presided over its first session. When he died in June of 1963, the College of Cardinals elected as his successor Cardinal Giovanni Battista Montini, who took the name Pope Paul VI. Pope Paul VI presided over the next three sessions of the Council and guided the Church through the time of change and renewal that followed the Council. Giovanni Battista Montini was born in northern Italy in 1897. He was ordained a priest in 1920 and two years later began service in the Vatican Secretary of State. He worked very closely with Pope Pius XII until 1954 when he was named Archbishop of Milan. In 1958, Blessed John XXIII named him to the College of Cardinals. His knowledge of the Universal Church through his service in the Holy See, his intellectual abilities, and wide reading in theology, and his pastoral experience in Milan all served him well when he was elected Pope. His constant concern was to maintain the unity of the Catholic Church, even in times of considerable controversy. He guided the Church through a series of reforms and the renewal of the liturgy. In 1970, he authorized the publication of the New Roman Missal. He fostered dialogue with other churches and ecclesial communities. He worked diligently for peace, even visiting the headquarters of the United Nations in New York in 1964 to deliver an urgent appeal against war. Throughout his pontificate, Paul VI, emphasized the importance of the family for the church and society. In his apostolic exhortation on evangelization in the modern world of 1975, he wrote, The family, just like the church, must always be regarded as a center to which the gospel must be brought and from which it must be proclaimed. Therefore, in a family which is conscious of this role, all the members of the family are evangelizers and are themselves evangelized. Because of the controversy in the Church surrounding the morality of artificial contraception, he issued his encyclical on the regulation of birth 
in July of 1968. He reaffirmed the teaching of the Church that artificial contraception is gravely immoral because it contravenes God's will for the conjugal act, which unites the spouses in their love and must also be open to the creation of new life. He warned of the consequences for the moral tenor of society that would come from ignoring God's plan. He recognized the difficulties that married couples might have in following his teaching, but encouraged them to have constant recourse to God's grace through the sacrament of penance and reconciliation and the sacrament of the Eucharist. Pope Paul VI was a courageous shepherd for the renewal of the Church and the defense of her teaching. The cause for his beatification was initiated in 1993. Pope Paul VI's clear teaching on family, marriage, and moral issues, such as artificial contraception, shows him to be a most important figure in fostering the values and virtues embodied in the Sixth Commandment. An area that is addressed in this particular chapter 30 of the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults is the area of homosexuality. Yeah, the Church's understanding of homosexuality is very consistent and beautiful, consistently integrated into our understanding of chastity over all of the centuries of, of the Church. It comes under particular challenge now because of a number of agendas that are being pushed in society, really as part of this ongoing sexual revolution, I think. But it's perfectly consistent that the Church recognizes that, that marriage has been designed by God as a chaste relationship between one man and one woman, where they do come together in the one flesh union, but also in the union of mind and heart, and where the act of sexual intercourse, which is the, the sign of, of a sacramental, faithful marriage, is open to creation with God's help, cooperating with God, of new life. It's not simply an, an act of mutual gratification or even mutual self-giving, but it it's also has this larger dimension of, of, of being open to new life. Uh, cooperating with God's uh, creative plan. So the church understands, uh, and has always, from the, the time of the apostles, seen that entering into a sexual relationship, a genital relationship, uh, with someone outside of, of this chaste relationship of husband and wife is a misuse of uh, that gift, and is always, at least objectively, seriously sinful. So that we recognize that adultery, a, a person who is currently married, uh, entering into a, a sexual relationship with someone else other than his or, or her spouse, it would be seriously wrong. Any kind of sort of casual sexual relationship, certainly the violent and immoral relationship, if you want even want to call it that, and uh, rape, for example, you know, is always uh, condemned and seen very readily as wrong. Traditionally, we have also seen that sexual activity between two persons of the same gender would be an unchaste act, uh, not consistent with uh, the Lord's plan that we reserve sexual expression, physical sexual expression, to the chaste love in marriage of, of husband and, and wife, man and woman. The Church is very clear, and the Catechism tries to, de to delineate this. It's sometimes a hard distinction for people to understand, but there are people who find them, themselves uh, with a homosexual inclination or attraction, in other words, a sexual attraction to uh, members of the same gender. It's one manifestation of the disordered appetites that are... are um, consequence of, of original sin in which we still experience. Even though the, the grace of Christ is present to us in the church, we still experience these disordered inclinations in all kind of ways. But a very fundamental and, and serious one is, is a, would be a disordered sexual attraction to someone of the same gender. 
So for someone to discover that in himself or, or herself, that itself is not, is not a sin. It's a manifestation of the brokenness of our human condition. It's a, a manifestation of the, the way, or the fact, really, that we need to be redeemed uh, by the power of Jesus Christ, that life in this world is not all integrated properly in any number of ways. The challenge that someone with homosexual inclination faces in particular is to understand that they will most probably never be able to enter into a, a, the relationship of marriage with someone of the opposite sex and have that be a, a relationship of integrity and true expression of life and love as God uh, intends it. And so, like all of us in the church, that person is called to live a chaste life, but for him or her, life in Christ will mean a life without a, a married spouse. There's a very strong agenda being pushed in society these days that would lead us to see the institution of marriage as something that could be contracted by any two persons, whether they're the opposite sex or the same sex, and that uh, it's being pushed as a kind of right, that anybody who wants to have that designation of being married and claiming that their relationship is a marriage should be able to have that recognized by society and protected in law. It's not possible for us to redefine marriage. It's an institution that has been created by God, and, and its parameters, you might say, are set by the Creator himself. So marriage and God's plan for marriage predates any government. It, it predates the church, really. It's a, an institution that is given to the human family by God, and it's not ours to, to redefine or to claim that it can exist in, in some other way. It's, it's challenging often for Catholics who hold to a chaste understanding of marriage that has been ours down through all the centuries, it's hard for us to sort of counter the, the claim that we're discriminating against people who are not capable of entering into marriage with someone of the opposite sex. It's not a discrimination on the part of the church at all. It's a realization of the fact that there's a brokenness as a result of original sin, and that's sometimes that, that brokenness is experienced in the, the sexual aspect of, of a person's life, which will make it impossible for them to, to be able to enter the vocation of marriage. I think there are a couple different issues that you have brought forth in how you so beautifully describe the church's teaching in this area. The first is just the the nature of homosexual activity, like other areas that are violations of chastity. That in itself is very problematic for a person, just as uh, someone who would have any type of sexual relationship outside of that marital union, that's, that's problematic. So it's not just on the, uh, necessarily that the person who is homosexual and has that inclination towards the same gender, it would be problematic for someone who feels as they are heterosexual wanting to act out outside of that marital union. Right. Right. It's a particular violation against chastity. There are a number of them, as we see in, in this chapter, and so many possibilities for going against that virtue. But it's of a particular kind. There's a particular disorder that's evidenced there. I, uh, I feel sad because we don't have the most elegant language for talking about what's going on here. And many people who hear the word disorder really hear a judgment in it that's not really intended. There are many things about us that are, are disordered as a result of sin. I don't say that lightly. So th those things are all burdens, and some of them cause great sadness or, or loneliness. But this disordered inclination of a homosexual inclination, attraction, is a, a particular seriousness. And not seriousness, in, the inclination isn't serious in terms of sin, but it affects the person at a very deep level. 
and I think again we the fact that there's a, a commandment that really calls us uh, to the virtue of chastity reminds us that this is a, is a very important part of life, an important part of, of, of who we are. And so there's a particular challenge in terms of, of finding one's place in the communion of the church and, and being accepted. And, and I think we're, we're, in many ways, we're challenged in the church to offer the support for someone who is struggling with this inclination and with the temptations that, that may necessarily go, uh, go along with it and get mixed up, I think, even in our own thinking between what, how someone might be inclined and then what action, you know, some our lifestyle someone might, might choose to live. We need to pray about this a lot. Again, I, the church isn't going to change her teaching because the, the understanding of chastity and of the chaste love of marriage is clear in terms of how we state it. But particularly in, in our uh, current culture, it's hard uh, sometimes for us to think straight about it but they're also to love well and to love our brothers and sisters, really, and especially those who may be struggling with the same-sex attraction, to be able to communicate to them that we do love them in their struggles and respect them as persons always, that we should never discriminate against someone based on their inclination, and that we do value them as members of the body of Christ and would like to invite them, as we all want to be invited to find how to practice the virtue of chastity, each of us in our own vocation, in a, in a way that will be fruitful in our lives, in that person's life, and then good for the life of the church as a whole. A meditation found in the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults. At a time in history like the present, special attention must also be given to the pastoral care of the family, particularly when this fundamental institution is experiencing a radical and widespread crisis. In the Christian view of marriage, the relationship between a man and a woman, a mutual and total bond, unique and indissoluble, is part of God's original plan, obscured throughout history by our hardness of heart but which Christ came to restore to its pristine splendor, disclosing what had been God's will from the beginning. Raised to the dignity of a sacrament, marriage expresses the great mystery of Christ's nuptial love for his church. On this point, the church cannot yield to cultural pressures, no matter how widespread and even militant they may be. Instead, it is necessary to ensure that through an ever more complete gospel formation, Christian families show convincingly that it is possible to live marriage fully in keeping with God's plan and with the true good of the human person. Of the spouses and of the children who are more fragile, families themselves must become increasingly conscious of the care due to children and play an active role in the church and in society in safeguarding their rights. And then the other major area in which we were uh, discussing would be that, that area of marriage and actually for those in a homosexual relationship to come to the church and say, and to seek a 
sacramental blessing, as it were, from the church to honor that particular union. And as you have said, that's of a different nature because isn't it, Archbishop Lucas, that we have a difficulty understanding, and we've discussed this before in previous episode, of what marriage is about when the male and female come together. It's not as much about just one facet of it, which would be the sexual union, but it's also what the, the church terms it as a coming together in a conjugal union, which has a much fuller expression in how it's lived out by those two people. Our understanding of marriage is based on God's design of a complementarity of man and woman so that they are able to, to come together and complete each other in a way that two persons of the same gender uh, could never do because we're just not made that way. And again, even though there, there can be disordered attractions that would lead somebody to be attracted to someone of the same gender, perhaps, but that God's design, or God's original design, what vocation that is strengthened and informed by God's grace is between a man and a woman, husband and wife, who are complementary to each other physically or complementary emotionally, mentally perhaps. Again, I don't understand all of the details of that. But then through that, bringing each other the gift of the self and offering that as a gift, both giving and, and receiving mutually, they create this one couple, one unit, we might say, and that their love overflows in, in God's design and in God's time in the lives of their children and that their union then continues to exist to raise and, and protect and, and nurture the children with their union and then in the life of their family to uh, form a domestic church and then to form what is the church and most of, of society has, has always seen as a basic unit of society. We have a, just a great practical interest, I think, in, in supporting faithful marriages and, and strong families because they, they do so much to take care of themselves. There aren't outside agencies or governments that then need to, you know, to enter in and do things that, that only the family can really do well. And then they form, help form strong neighborhoods, strong parishes, a strong nation, strengthen the, the experience of the human family altogether. So, it's, I mean, it's just not possible to calculate the value for it in its own self, but also beyond itself of, of a strong, chaste marriage and the family that can result from that. That complementarity that you spoke of is addressed and spoken so wonderfully by the teachings that have come to be known as the theology of the body, that maternal nurturing nature of the female brought together with that paternal spiritual fatherhood that is called forth in that masculinity of the male, that the coming of those two, and then from that the children who are in the home observing both those dynamics that are so unique to each gender, that's that's an area that's addressed in the catechism as well. It is. It's addressed for, uh, briefly. Uh, Pope John Paul's theology of the body is, a, it's, it's not hard to understand ultimately, but it's a somewhat involved in, in beautiful teaching. It's, we get some exposure to it here and, and hope that people will be interested then in, in finding out more about it. There are lots of great materials and great teachers that are ready to explain that in, in the church these days. But it's a great antidote for the sexual revolution, really, and for that false thinking that sort of separates us into sort of physical and spiritual beings that would lead us to think, well, we can be involved in these physical expressions with one another, sexual expressions that really don't affect us. 
uh, in any way that we that, that sex can be somewhat casual and and that we try to simply protect ourselves from you know getting some kind of disease or protect ourselves from pregnancy and that then life goes on you know and that the, we're no more or no less you know as persons as a result of that approach and so Pope John Paul sees what again what the church has always seen but he's expressed it in a, in a beautiful way for our time sees a, a, an integrity in the human person and that the the physical side of us the, the part that you know that's that's uh, visible the physical parts of us that get involved in sexual expression say something about the whole person and uh, again the the complementarity between man and woman that God has designed says more than just what they're able to do or or experience physically but expresses as the sacraments do we might say on the outside uh, a deeper reality about them personally and about how they can complete each other as a couple in faithful uh, union of marriage. Ultimately, it goes back to that beautiful teaching of chastity, to be able to express that out in the world, not to, as some might think, chastity is somehow you're going up into a bell tower and going away, but yet restrain those things that would prevent us from being able to live that Christian expression out in the world by how we are created. Right. It, it, it's, uh, it encourages us, the, the theology of the body, to, to recognize how we're created and to take um, note of the, of the wisdom of God in, in creating us male and, and, and female. And then uh, developing, as we uh, grow into maturity, developing the, the discipline to, to live according to the way that we have been created. So to not violate our nature, to not give in to inclinations or appetites that are disordered in any way. Again, that, that can cover any number of categories, but particularly this chapter refers to, to human sexuality. The work of the devil, and we might say the effect of sin, is always to fragment us, to fragment things, and to sort of put, pull the pieces apart and put things at odds with one another. So the, the beautiful understanding of Pope John Paul II, again, it's, it's perfectly consistent with the Church's understanding always, but beautiful articulation of it is, is that we are in God's plan, integrated. We're whole persons able to relate respectfully to other persons who have been created in the image and likeness of, uh, of God. That there's a, a beautiful manifestation of that in the, in the chaste love of, of husband and wife and in the opportunity they have, the openness that, that they have to cooperate with God in, in the creation and nurture of new life. But the teachings of the theology of the body apply to all of us, no matter where we are in life's journey and, and what our vocation might be, what our uh, particular joys or temptations might be at, at a particular stage to, again, to reflect on how God has made us and the sublime purpose for which each of us has, has been created and, and how the way we're put together physically, mentally, psychologically, socially, that that somehow is a reflection of God's creative plan. It's not a perfect reflection, again, because of the result of, of sin or else we can't see it as well as, as we ought to be able to see it. But it's there and we can know it and we can be schooled in it, we can teach it uh, to others. That's really part of the, the gift that the church brings to our current culture, a healthy, beautiful understanding of the nature of human sexuality, of, of the nature and purpose of, of marriage. It's not something that you pick up off the ground these days or get from television or, or any kind of, uh, you know, often from a, any kind of casual understanding. But with so much noise being made about things that are wrong and, and really harmful to the human person, what a beautiful privilege we have in the church to be able to articulate, as the Blessed John Paul II has done so beautifully, to articulate God's plan and offer such hope for us in, in a fairly bleak sexual landscape most days. 
there are people in the world who would lead us to think that the church is just trying to oppress us or impose some narrow-minded view of uh, human sexuality on us, when, when really just the opposite is the case. But the challenge for us and the invitation to all of us is really to be schooled in the church's very rich understanding of what it means to be a human person and, and how we relate to one another. If we learn it, if we pray about it and try it on for size, try practicing virtue, I think most people come to, to see that it is really something beyond anything that this world has to give. It's, it's a taste already of the life that's, that's to come. can't experience that totally here, but we begin to experience that already in healthy, chaste relationships for husbands and wives, certainly, but then for all of us uh, in the church who hear Jesus calling us in our bodies and our spirits and our persons, really one integrated whole, uh, to, to come to him, to respond to him in the, the ordinary circumstances of every day. Any final thoughts? Well, I think we're, um, we're being bullied these days uh, by the government and, and others you know, to uh, take a very jaded view of marriage and also of human sexuality of the human person. So my encouragement would be to read this chapter in the adult catechism about the Sixth Commandment, but to look for there are many good materials available these days that will support a deeper understanding, a richer understanding of chastity and uh, help us respond to the invitation of our Lord in, in that way. So I would just encourage anyone who's inclined to do so to maybe think, study, pray more about this, to not, uh, not be afraid of it to just think that maybe it's true that the Lord is trying to offer us greater freedom and not to see that what the church is offering, as the world might say, is a, a restriction or, or a limitation. Thank you so much, Your Excellency. Thank you. It's great to be with you. You've been listening to the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults with His Excellency, Archbishop George Lucas. To learn more about the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults, go to usccb.org, the website for the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore. To hear and or download this episode, along with many others, go to discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of discerninghearts.com in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Join me next time for the United States Catholic Catechism for Adults with His Excellency, Archbishop George Lucas.